the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And holy cow, are these the most interesting times to be alive? What a time. You know, now the coverage is coronavirus is spiking again, I think. Although we'll see. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. I mean, uh, Elon Musk, is, uh, as, as he's sending rockets into space, he's sending rockets into cyberspace and into social media that are exploding the Internet. Uh, but, of course, we are now still watching with, uh, with interest, and a lot of people are participating in the getting to the bottom of the votes. You know, President Obama, former President Obama, went out on tour He's got a new book out very soon, so he's starting to plug that. But he went out on tour and did a couple of interviews where he's basically blaming President Trump and all his followers for not conceding in time. It's been a week, been a week and a day or two. Remember, uh, um, uh, Al Gore had, uh, I don't know, 37 days. But more importantly, there's a process. There's a process, and he compares everyone. Everyone, everyone except Obama is just is failing in the sort of moral test of being a good American, according to Obama. Meanwhile, over on CNN, Christiane Anampur ran a piece where she compared Trump and his supporters to Nazis, noting that it's the 82nd anniversary of one of the more horrendous assaults on the Jews in history, Kristallnacht, and saying how after months and months of assault on the Jews, uh, culturally, there was then this Kristallnacht, and Hitler did that, and after four years of attack on the people of this country, Donald Trump and his followers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, unbelievable. Couldn't be more insulting. This is on the heels. This is Joe Biden's party and Joe Biden's media saying, you know, oh, well, now we'll all get along. We called you Nazis for uh, three months in the campaign. When the campaign supposedly was over, AOC said, let's make a list and hasn't backed off on that. And it's on and on and on. You get the point. It's uh, we are in a situation where um, we, we the double standard isn't even worth pointing out, but it does make you realize don't pay attention. Don't take your cues from morally corrupt people. Don't take your crew, uh, uh, cues from people who are clearly not just biased, but uh, not able to be uh, remotely honest. I don't have any problem. I got a buddy from college who's a big guy. He was a never Trump. No, he's a liberal. He's a Democrat, a liberal Democrat. So he hated, hated the Trump policies and he was blinded by the Trump stuff. So he's all mad. He's all mad that I, you know, we haven't conceded at all, but I at least respect that because he's just a plain old liberal, but the media people lying about people and he would never call uh, me or anybody else a Nazi. I don't think maybe he would. I don't think so, but it's unbelievable to see this shift. And here's what I tell you. For those people that say, well, maybe we'll just take the heat off of everything. He'd take the heat out of the fight and everybody relax. Here's my answer. They're never going to relax. The, the people that did what they did to General Flynn, the people that did what they did to uh, so many people in the administration, the people that kind of sought to damage the president personally, it's, it was a very, it's a very different kind of attack than we've ever seen. And they're not going to stop. 
They're not going to suddenly say, uh, because here's why. People are, are creatures of habit. And the habit that you start to get into, one of the things you have to do to change your habits is get new habits. You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to, oh, and here's a good example. Talk to people that are alcoholics. You don't wake up, if, if you try, some people will wake up one day and say, I'm an alcoholic, I'm going to stop drinking. Other people, it will take that, changing your habits, changing the way you, you know, who you spend time with, where you go. When you want to, when you teach your children or yourself to change how you're doing something, you change your habits. One of the benefits, by the way, I've argued of the pandemic, in a good way, a lot of people have changed their habit of what they believe. So they don't believe that education in the school system is working well enough. Now, bad habit to change, a bad thing to change. A lot of people skip church because they were in the pandemic, and then you get a habit of not going. I, I worry about that. Because, you know, the habits you're in, the people you're in, in exposed to, they do form you. And when you're exposed to these people, these desperate, nasty people like Christian Anampura calling us uh, Nazis and Joe Biden calling us Nazis and, and Van Jones saying using the Constitution's a legal coup and getting yelled at by Whoopi Goldberg, it's disconcerting to say the least. Now, the good news is the president has shown an understanding of what's going on, but even he is human. Even he is human. You know, even he is worn down. So anyway, we, you know, it's it, it, here's what you need to know. The process is playing out just as I described. There's hundreds of thousands of people gathering at rallies across the country. There's 70 plus million people that voted for the Trump policies. There's more like 80 million people that voted for the Trump policies when you you know factor in all these Republicans that won down ballot. Nancy Pelosi is going to have the the, the speaker. Well, she's going her party's going to have control of the House by like five seats. It's going to be very difficult for her to govern, which is really good news. Uh, really good news. That would be really really good news. Uh, if President Trump can reverse these, uh, what appear to be the election, we'll see. And I want my one more admonition to everybody. I don't believe that we've seen the good stuff. In other words, I don't believe that President Trump has yet shown us the good stuff in terms of what they found in, in, in fraud. It may not be enough to change the election. I can't tell yet. It may not be enough to prove. In other words, you may have a problem proving it. But I have a feeling that we haven't seen the good stuff. It's not just thousands of people voting who are dead. It's not just, you know, people getting expelled from voting booths. I think, I think, as I said in an interview today, you're talking about tens of millions of ballots that were sent in through the mail, sent out to the mail and sent in. I, I think we're going to be, uh, uh, we're going to have a little bit more to this than we've seen so far. And you might want to think of it this way. If you were preparing <clears throat> to make your argument, you might let the, um, your opponent you know, yell and scream about how important it is and how there's no fraud and there's nothing, nothing to see here. It's only incidental. It's not widespread. And you sort of set them up, right? They've been set up now. If it turns out that the moral high ground that the Democrats are occupying, which says, oh, no, no, there's not, there's no big problems, turns out that that's fraudulent and it turns out to be <clears throat> provable, it becomes kind of uh, not only a winning hand, but devastating to the opposition, and so I'm just going to tell you this, as tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people gather across the country saying, save our, uh, excuse me, stop the steal, protect our elections, just, just think to yourself, I think there's more coming. I think there's more coming, and I think you should be patient and let the process play out uh, a little bit longer, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I think there's going to be more to see. Okay, um, let me see, a couple more things to pick up here. Um, 
I did want. Oh, we're going to play a couple of uh, interviews. I got people will send me emails and things uh, uh, reporting in uh, interviews that they liked hearing. One of them was last week. Uh, Jake Steinfeld, a body by Jake guy. It's a little bit of a long interview with him from last week, maybe ten days ago. Extraordinary, extraordinary guy. Uh, one of you who didn't miss that asked us to play it again. We're going to play that again tonight. We're also going to talk with Brandon Weikert. Uh, Brandon Weikert is a guy who's writing about space and what's happening in space. Felt like a good time to do that interview. Here's why. Uh, in the, over the weekend, we can expect that Elon. Musk and NASA will launch another rocket, this time I think uh, manned. And so that, that progress in the space um, industry and the sort of public-private partnership is going great. It's really important, too. It's very, very exciting, actually, and people should be excited. On a side note, what you need to know, Elon Musk tweeted that he took four COVID tests, two were positive, two were negative, all four same test, all four same setup, all four same nurse. And he can't, he said, something's going wrong here. Now he tweets that and he's got tens of, he's got millions. I think it's ten, maybe, maybe tens of million. No, a little bit less than 10 million followers on Twitter. He tweets that and everybody goes crazy. Here's what I'd say. We're seeing massive coverage of a spike in uh, COVID cases. We're not seeing coverage of the matching data on death rates, which is way down. Now, again, no one should be saying, oh, well, who cares? Get sick. If you have it, you'll be fine. You still got to worry about it. But there's a part of this that's kind of panic, not attached to the full reality. You know, not attached to the sort of hammer on the other side. It'd be one thing if you said, oh, COVID rates are up, okay, and death rates are X, and, you know, um, uh, you know serious um, uh, complication rates are Y. And both of those are, are really, nobody's saying that. They're just sort of saying, here comes the panic. And, you know, Biden has said he's going to have a mask mandate. That's already being rejected by uh, some states. He's also going to have, a, he's t- threatening floating a lockdown again. I mean, are we headed back again? I, I have to say, I was one who signed on with the president and his people. I, I said, let's listen to them. They're telling us we'll take this, you know, we'll take it with a grain of salt. At this point, there's nothing I can see that says that we go with the cure that these people are floating because the illness isn't as bad as they're saying. And I think that they're really setting this country up to get hot and get hostile at what's happening. My, my sons are in school. One boy got the COVID. They, they kept him isolated. They contact traced. Nobody else got it. Everybody stayed, you know, everybody, a couple of the kids, my son was home for a day or two to check. Everybody checked out. No problem. Back in school. It took a, a good amount of effort. I respect the fact that the administrators and teachers had the effort, but they got back to school. I think that's what's got to got to happen more and more, and we got to see it. We got to everybody's got to grow up. And meanwhile, I forget which state it was. I mean, which city? Maybe Chicago. One of the big teachers union negotiated that nobody will go back to work. None of the teachers will go back to work until uh, the end of twenty twenty one for uh, the uh, the spring semester, and they're just not even going to try. They're not even going to try. It's extraordinary. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We'll have to have uh, Body by Jake, Jake Steinfeld, his, uh, his interview with him from a few days ago. We'll replay that. We'll talk then with uh, Brandon Weikert about space, and we'll wrap things up with a very brief window. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Thank you for tuning in. And don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for the daily email, as well as to find all these interviews as clicking uh, links there. You can click on them. Be right back. Ed Martin here in Pro-America Report. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, last week I mentioned that I had a, I had noticed that there was a new publisher, relatively new uh, in the last few years, called Republic Book Publishers. Uh, Al Regnery is involved with that. Of course, he was uh, involved with Regnery Publishing, sold it a few years ago. But I was intrigued, and one of their people sent me a couple of books that Republic uh, Book Publishers put out. One of them is called Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, and it's by Brandon Weikert. Brandon Weikert is... Uh, well, I guess I'd say he's, a, among other things, he's an author. He writes over at American Greatness, uh, which I love. AmGreatness.com is their website. He also uh, has written all over the place. Real Clear, Real Clear Public Affairs um, and um, American Spectator, too. That's the one I remember seeing. And he's also a, a, a kind of... Um, not just a writer, but as an analyst all over the place. So, but here's the thing about this: I can tell you, uh, and welcome first of all to the program, Brandon. Uh, Brandon, excuse me. And I can tell you, this is a huge issue um, for uh, us, for meaning the Phyllis Schlafly organization and me. This question of space, and uh, I think a lot of Americans thought, well, why do we quit going to space? You know, it was good. Uh, we learned so much. You know, we the space race yielded such technolo- technological breakthroughs. But there's a major national security question, and that's what you get into here. So um, tell me, Brandon, did you have an interest in space um, and and this issue w- before we started to, to retreat from our role in, in space? And, and tell me about how you got to this book. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, I've always had an interest in space. It's something that I've always been fascinated by. I grew up in Florida, so I, I was used to uh, seeing the shuttle launches when I was a kid growing up. Uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. though, what really what really piqued my interest was I worked on Capitol Hill, and uh, my first week on the Hill, uh, my boss said, I want you to go on down to this meeting, uh, you know, make some notes. And basically, it was sort of, um, to him, not a very important meeting. And it was a bunch of <laughs> former Air Force and NASA NASA people, and they were coming to try to warn us about weaknesses uh, that were forming in our satellite constellations because we had ignored space for so long. Now, this was during uh, mm-hmm. you know, 2013-2014, so there was not a lot of money or interest in doing much of anything in the national security area, particularly with space. And so I went down to the meeting, and I, 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 was, I was floored because the meeting was basically about how we were going to get hit with a space Pearl Harbor if we didn't do more to defend right. our satellites. And basically, nobody really cared. And so I thought, wow, this is a pretty important thing. Maybe I should try to warn people about it. And after a few years of being on the Hill and realizing that it was, you know, like pushing a boulder up a up a steep hill, it just wasn't going to get noticed. I decided to, you know, I went into academia and then ultimately I had time to, to research and really expand on the observations that I made while working on the Hill in this area. And I ended up writing this book because I, I nobody was listening. And uh, mm. now, of course, we have a we now have a president who wants to do space force, who recognizes the threat. And so my hope is that this book sort of gets out and, and is sort of the, the clarion call to, to action, because we need action in this domain. And, and creating a space force is a great start, but we need a lot more, and we need consistent commitment to doing more in space if we're going to evade uh, or avoid a space Pearl Harbor from happening. 
Uh, we're talking with Brandon Weikert. His book is called Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. And before I get to the, the nationalist, uh, uh, national, back to the national security question, I, you know, sometimes, Brandon, it's better to be lucky than good. I think in the last couple of days there was news. There's an asteroid or something coming at America, and, yeah. and, and we're going to land on it. And, and they said that yeah. the, the material on this asteroid is like more wealth, you know, it's nickel, I think, yeah. and some other things than we could ever see. Yeah. My point here is this might segue is if you control space it's a little bit like you know when columbus went across the ocean blue and somebody exactly. got control of the the new world i mean just right. in terms of wealth there's a lot up there right yes and as i note in the book this is exactly like the age of sail when european powers started going to the new world competing to colonize it because they realized not only was there a lot of new territory to settle upon, but there was also vast amounts of wealth in terms of commodities, mineable commodities. Uh, and it's the same thing in space, where we're just at the beginning of this new space age. And you know, people talk about the space age as if, oh, it already happened and went to the moon and came back. That was just a blip. That was the beginning. That was the akin of maybe Leif Erikson and the Vikings brushing up against the Canadian coast <laughs> once or twice. Right. You know, now we're in now we're in the age where the next Columbus is going to happen and it's a competition now primarily between the United States and China and space mining is is the future it is a, the first trillionaire will come from this sector and yes there are there's there is an asteroid uh, that is worth 700 quadrillion dollars in rare earth minerals <laughs> uh, that we're looking right. at we just NASA with the OSIRIS-REx mission just landed on a nearby asteroid and scooped up material to see what exactly is mineable on that. The Chinese are launching their NEO-1 satellite uh, November 1st. It's a probe that they're going to practice mining asteroids with. Then they're going to launch in the next six months uh, a satellite in geosynchronous orbit that's going to basically take pictures of the asteroid belt and let Chinese scientists determine which asteroids near Earth are mineable, and then they're going to send that NEO-1 probe into the asteroid belt and start robotically harvesting the goods from those asteroids. The Chinese also have plans by the end of the decade to essentially start strip mining the moon because there's a lot of rare mm. earth minerals there. And so, you know, we're talking a big game and we're doing some things here and there on, in the United States to do, to do space mining, but the Chinese are the ones who have a consistent ends, ways, means strategy. They want to get there and they want to take it before the Americans. Americans can, and they want to have the first mover advantage in the space mining industry. And right now, I think they have the advantage over us because we're just starting to do stuff, but we don't really have a plan, sort of slapdash. Hmm. The Chinese have yeah. an actual plan to achieve these things. We're talking with Brandon Weikart, and also Brandon's on Twitter at, at @wethebrandon. I like that, by the way. And then also WeikertReport.com, WeikertReport.com. And uh, uh, now, Brandon, uh, back to for a second again. The book is also called Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Uh, to put a little fear of people uh, is if you lose space, if the Chinese are dominant in space, it makes a whole lot of other things uh, very difficult, like defending our nation 
information, like uh, keeping our satellites in or I mean, we're not running satellites in space, at least high space. But if you could, you know, if we lose control of the space of space, you you know, you sort of have put somebody over your house, you know, five times a day. Right. And, and it's a major right. threat to our national security. That's correct. And so you have to think of space as the ultimate strategic high ground. Uh, you know, we used to talk mm. about air dominance because we yeah. knew that if we controlled the air above a battle space, we would have control over the land and the sea. Well, now the strategic environment has changed. It's not just land, sea, and air. It's now also cyberspace and space. And cyberspace, just like land, sea, and air, all relies on satellites to for our forces to dominate those lower terrestrial domains. And so the Chinese and Russians have figured out, hey, if we can disrupt the functions of those satellites dangling precariously overhead, and we can knock them out and then put our own up there and do more than the right. Americans can in, in space, we control the, the Earth at that point. There's, you know, it's sort of like, uh, think of the, the, the famous 300, uh, the 300 Spartans, they decided that they could yeah. stop the massive Persian invasion by blocking the hot gates that led into Greece. Well, eventually the Persians <laughs> yeah. figured out we can go over them by getting to those mountain passes and then we kill them from above. Well, it's very similar with space where the Americans have control at on land, at sea, in the air, and we have a lot of competitive edge in cyber. But the Chinese figure and the Russians figure, hey, if we can get in space, the physical space above their heads, there's nothing they can do to stop us. Hmm. It's um, it is uh, it's very important. It's a great topic. I hope it. I hope your book takes off, and I hope also that people uh, well, understand. And by the way, my, my 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 wife was so mad when Obama cut the space, uh, uh, the NASA, and everything. So that's and another. A lot of people, a lot of people just felt it. Like why why are we sort of retreating there? But right. the book is Winning Space: How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon Weikert, and I'll put it all up on social media. Brandon, I got to run, unfortunately, but yeah. come on again. Let's talk about this as uh, as uh, issues arise. It's a great topic. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And it's just time we'll get it all explained to us in just a few moments. Go to selenazito.com, selenazito.com, and sign up for her regular emails where Selena is a journalist. She publishes at uh, the Washington Examiner, Wall Street Journal, New York Post, uh, appears on CNN. So, Selena, what happened? Well, if you remember, you had me on, I think it was Election Day. Was it Election Day? I don't know. It feels like 33 years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sure does. you asked me what's happening in what was happening in Pennsylvania. And I said, I did not believe that Joe Biden had a huge lead. If anything, the race felt like a jump ball. And that's right. exactly what we saw. Uh, what is astounding to me as I'm going through the numbers, and not all the numbers are final yet, but as I go through the numbers that are available, uh, Republicans and Democrats turned out in force. Uh, and both coalitions, uh, the Democrats is more ascendant, uh, which means it's, it's concentrated on minorities, young people, and women, and college-educated um, voters. 
and the um, Republican coalition is very much uh, what I de- we described in the book, uh, The Great Revolt. It's, it's a much more complex and, and um, diverse uh, coalition. Uh, but both of them were robust. Both of them turned out. Uh, and uh, what I think is so fascinating in my state is that while Joe Biden has the lead down ballot, Democrats suffered great losses uh, in in state legislative races for House and Senate. They were supposed to, everyone said they were going to take um, the majority in both chambers in this state. They didn't, not only did they not win the races that they were competing in, they lost ones they weren't supposed to. They also lost right. two two statewide um, uh, row offices, Auditor General and Treasurer, with candidates that had zero money, and their candidates had millions. Um, so I think the lesson from Pennsylvania right now, and it's very reflective of what we see across the country, is despite all the pressure that culture put on, in particular, suburban voters, rural voters really you know, pay no mind to it. But suburban right. voters, you know, they were really pressured by culture. They couldn't walk down their street without seeing a hate has no place here sign or put on their phone and not be scolded uh, or try to watch a football game without being chastised. And yet, despite all that pressure, they voted Republican. Right. So, Selena, is it, if you had to pull back for a second, does it make sense to you? It, one way to intuit this is that there were people that were sick of the Democrats and didn't think they were in the right direction, but they just didn't like Trump. I mean, is that the way you? That's about the only Absolutely. you know way to explain. It was, yeah, yeah, it was his comportment, uh, and it was. And, and by the way, it's not wasn't an overwhelming rejection of it. Right, it's right. incredibly close. Uh, and and you have to wonder who these voters are. I suspect these are voters that were most impacted by COVID, uh, and not huh. and did not be you know you know who had very. Uh, familiar um, experiences with COVID, whether it was with an elderly parent, they lost their job, they're trapped at home, uh, and and they saw his his comportment on the issue, in particular in that first debate, and and they just rejected him, and I think that hmm. was that was the, the moment where everything sort of. just enough broke away for him to lose. Not a lot, mind you. More Republican, more more voters showed up in 2020 than they did in 2016, and he got more votes than he did four years ago. So it's not like he lost his coalition. He just lost enough of it to to make this race razor thin. We're talking with Selena Zito. Again, go to selenazito.com and you can get uh, you can follow her there. And when you sign up, she'll send you an email when her many, uh, many times a week when she's publishing that uh, she publishes and you'll get she'll send you an email to remind you. Um, Selena, uh, I talked to somebody up in Wisconsin this, uh, I don't know, yesterday morning, I think it was. And I was he was saying to me, he's an old hand in the thing. He said, look. 
He said right now there's some things that don't look exactly the same as usual. But the but when people see like fraud in Milwaukee, he's like, we've been burned in Milwaukee for years and we, you know, we've gone and dug into it and it just doesn't seem likely that it's going to change dramatically. When you look across the span, just to Pennsylvania now, forget the rest of the country for a moment, even though I know you've reported from many of these states because they have similar experiences that, as you mentioned in your book, The Great Revolt. Um, but in Pennsylvania, which you know best from your, you know, you're living there for so long as your home state. Is there more fraud, less fraud? Do we see it differently because of social media? Do you have any uh, sense? I mean, it looks, if you open up, you pry down under the underbelly of some of these things, it's not very pleasant. But so what's your sense of what we're seeing? So there's always been uh, hanky-panky, right? But it's, right, um, right. Uh, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it, or shenanigans, whatever you want to say. And certainly that right. is not something that should be accepted. I think whatever happens with President Trump, I think him peeling off the scab on this is is just part of his long legacy uh, and, and right. important. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know that there is uh, the larger problem we have and um, with our voting system is incompetency. We put right. we, our, our one of our most important treasures as an American is our vote. And yet we are complacent in allowing incompetent people to handle it. And and I think that that is the the larger lesson of every election cycle. Every election cycle, we go through this. And while I don't mm-hmm. know if it's enough to change a vote, it's certainly not something that should be accepted by any member of any party. We're talking with Selena Zito. Now, Selena, you've also you've seen and you mentioned uh, the state treasurer. That's the one I was surprised at the statewide races in Pennsylvania. I, I figured the, the Pennsylvania Democrats had figured out how to win. You know, they won a bunch of Supreme Court races. Uh, they'd won the governor's race. Even when they had tough races, they sort of knew how to do it. So that was a big one. But um, but so let's slide down now that the Alaska was called. So it's 50 senators, 50 U.S. senators, Republicans. Now there's two that are going to be a special election in Georgia. It, it, how does the um how does the 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 donald trump the maga message uh go forward now i mean i mean we're obviously we're gonna have uncertainty until this election is you know the constitution's invoked and it's totally settled but you know where's the movement that was in the great revolt in your book and all where's that where does that sit as we go forward well it's i mean it's the, the the coalition is bigger uh it's more diverse it's browner uh, and and they remember, they wrote in a book, I hope everyone gets it, The Great Revolt, because it literally can show you exactly what it is. Um, it, this movement began way before Donald Trump. And he wasn't the result. He wasn't uh, the cause of it. He was the result of it. American coalitions have about a 60-year lifetime, lifespan. Uh, this this uh-huh. coalition will go on for a very, very long time. It's not going away anywhere soon. And the forces that cause it are things like big tech and big government and and uh, institutions that, uh, and expertise that have failed people across the generations. They show no sort of... Um, 
um, pivot towards trying to fix the reasons people don't trust them. And because of that, this coalition will only get bigger. It won't shrink or go away. So here's so let me let me try this. If you basically can say, and let's just go ahead and say, when you get as close as you are in Pennsylvania, it's a fifty. It's basically a tie, and and I think across the country, it's the country. It's a kind of electoral tie. That doesn't really mean that there's fifty percent for each side, but probably there's like forty five percent for each side. But it, as you just said, it feels to me like Donald Trump paid a price for COVID, for the economy, and maybe, if I can say, he paid a price because the media was so united in, 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 in allowing things like, to me, the, the great, uh, one of the great insulting ones, especially, uh, you know, when we saw the president on Veterans Day, his, his uh, you know, when they said the, the four sources said, he said soldiers that died in the war are losers or whatever, but he paid a price. So if you take away COVID, and, I, and this is ridiculous, I know I'm not talking about the election, I'm talking about the coalition, take away COVID, take away some of the way they beat up Trump and made him seem bad. It feels to me like the coalition that's kind of America first is more like 55% or I don't know more, but you know, it, it, it feels like a majority in the country because it, within it are the people oh. that want less wars. Is that, what do you think of that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Again, I, I would I, I really urge people to go to my website, com and check out the past five stories that I've written. Uh, and, it's, and it's not just me being out there interviewing people. It's compiled with data. The country is redder than it was down ballot than it was a week ago. The country is center right. And, then, and there was this fear that culture and the media were pushing it left. And it not only pushed back, it went further right. So if you're sitting at home and you're a conservative and you think Joe Biden won, um, the country's going far left, you, it's, it's the devil's in the details. You really need to go down ballot and look at these races. And I peeled that back and, and uh, I just went to Michigan. I was in Ohio. I was in West Virginia. Uh, and, and it shows um, and, and with throughout my state, um, the, the state, the, the country has moved right not left yeah well i'm looking at are those pieces the ones I'm, i think I, I clicked through selenazito.com and it went took you to the washington examiner is that the, the series of pieces that you wrote there three or four yeah. or four four or five in a row uh, pieces, yeah in the past week yeah that really okay, laid good. out what happened all right, I'm going to go do my homework. All right, Selena Zito, thank you very much. SelenaZito.com, as always. Hey, are you going to write a new book? Are you going to, I mean, are you going to go now and do what you did uh, with the last book, dig into this and see, or how, what do you think? I mean, I probably have already been writing this book, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, I guess so, probably so. All right, okay. SelenaZito.com. Thanks, Selena. We'll talk again soon. Have a great day. Thanks so much for having me. Bye-bye. All right, we'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Today is truly a landmark day for all Americans. 61 years ago today, The Sound of Music made its historic premiere on the Broadway stage. While the plot is loosely based on the Austrian Maria von Trapp's 1949 memoir, The Story of the Trapp Family Singers, the Broadway show is as American as it gets. 
The musical duo of Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein II created a national treasure that all of us can agree is one of our favorite things. However, while the hills may have been alive with the sound of music in Nazi-occupied Austria, the halls of the Oscars are alive with the sound of social justice nonsense. The Academy Awards announced new racial and LGBT quotas for their coveted Best Picture Award. In order to qualify for the award, films will have to meet ridiculous guidelines like featuring one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group, or having 30% of all actors be LGBT or members of a racial or ethnic group. Simply put, they want to ensure films like the screen adaptation of The Sound of Music will never win the Best Picture Award like it did in 1966. I don't think that's the follow every rainbow Julie Andrews was singing about. Shortchanging iconic movies like The Sound of Music might be bad enough, but the real tragedy of these phony criteria is even more sinister. Quotas on the basis of race or sex have no place in American society, period. Whether it's college admissions, promotions at the workplace, or hiring, no one should be disqualified on account of their skin color. Proponents of affirmative action like to talk about giving opportunities to minority students, and everyone else is certainly in favor of that. However, those minority students should not be robbed of the opportunity to get into college or land the big job on their own merits. When Americans are allowed to succeed on their merits, we can have more national treasures like the sound of music. Racial and gender quotas only stifled the unique American drive for each individual to climb every mountain until you find your own American dream. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Political correctness is no longer simply about restricting speech. This tool for tyranny has led to employees being fired, pastors silenced, small businesses closed, and truth suppressed. Thankfully, the politically correct can't censor the work at phyllisschlafly.com. Join us, won't you? At phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. And hey, let's go back. We got to do the window. What you need to do. Quick one. Only got a couple minutes. Listen, first of all, go right now. Go to uh, ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. And sign up for the daily email. But also, if you go there and send me an email through there, you can go right through that website. It goes right to my email or send it directly to me. You can send it ed at, ed, excuse me, ed at phyllisschlafly.com is my work address. But uh, ed at edmartinlive.com also is the same one. But get me an email because I want to send you back. Joe Flynn, brother of Mike Flynn, the general, Joe Flynn, a, gen, a brother of General Mike Flynn, was with me on the phone today, and we had a phone call from Archbishop uh, Vigano, the famous Italian bishop. He's an archbishop who was the papal nuncio, that's the ambassador to America from the Vatican years ago, and he is the one that's written these public letters. And the public letters have said, we're fighting a battle for the future of Christianity in the West. And Donald Trump is on the side of fighting back. And an extraordinary guy. Well, he joined us today. Earlier today, he joined us in a prayer call. Most extraordinary thing, about 20-minute call. And if you, if you uh, email me, ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com, or text me, 314-256-1776, 314-256-1776. I'll send you the audio. 
I'll send you the audio. It's a, it's an awesome. His prayer was awesome. His clarity of vision was awesome. It was a very cool moment. And, you know, we need more moments of prayer and more moments of uh, peace and less anxiety about everything that's going on. So uh, do that if you'd like and get in touch. Now, listen, the um, lots of people are going, as I mentioned yesterday, lots of people are stepping up to do something this weekend. I encourage you on Saturday, there's lots of rallies. There's rallies in California. There's rallies in Nevada, rallies in Michigan, huge rally in D.C. That's where I'll be. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's going to be important. The president a few hours ago tweeted he might come to the D.C. rally. I don't know how he'll do that logistically. I don't know how the Secret Service would let that happen. But who knows? The guy is, uh, you know, he's the president. He likes to do what he likes to do. We'll see. But uh, he tweeted about that. It's going to be huge. Listen, all I'm saying is make yourself heard this weekend uh, in favor of stop the steal, count every legal vote, you know, make sure we get this thing right. Because as I've told you, there is more coming. There is more coming. There is more you should be aware of. And there's a lot more to be done. We've got weeks. The key dates, December 8th and December 14th for the Electoral College. Before then, got to figure a lot of things out. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great uh, Noah for a technical director and keeping the show cleaned up and tight and uh, on track. Also, thank you to Joanna for booking us. Thank you to you, our listeners. Don't forget, go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com. All of our great shows are there. Larry Elder's show's there. Charlie Kirk's show is there as a podcast. Andrea Kay, of course, great Andrea Kay. All of that and our show, too. And then uh, go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the daily email from me. It goes in your inbox at 5 a.m. Pacific time, and you're, bam, you're ready for the day. What you need to know, the daily wink. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Appreciate it very much. I look forward to talking to you again on Monday. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. <laughs> 